Well, I always say to people, are you someone that experiences emotions? Most people say yes. I say, are you someone that experiences thoughts? Most people say yes. I say, do you have a body? They say yes. I say, okay. <laughs> so you're an emotional being, a mental being, and a physical being. Because if it was just a physical thing, you would just have a body. There would be no thoughts. There would be no emotions. That wouldn't be in your experience. So to me, I'm extremely logical. To me, it makes logical sense to see it that way. So when people right. disregard the field of metaphysical anatomy, I'm like, fair enough, but I don't think you're actually uh, wanting to be well-informed about the entirety of the human experience. Um, see, I was just saying before, like I, I was going through for the past, uh, let's say three years, kind of like up and down health stuff. And like it, it's like a very uncertain, like insomnia and then like gut stuff. And it was kind of like life was giving me this like rite of passage in a, in a weird way, even though it's health mm -hmm. stuff and you can influence in various things. But long story short, last night I was, um, occasionally I'll be laying in bed and I'll be feeling like really, I kind of feel my heartbeat and feel a bit like. Uh, like there's tension in the body from the day of stress mm -hmm. and I was I was laying there and I had this really uh and I've been meditating since I was 19 or 18 one of the two and um the first couple of years of meditating I found that very uh stifling it was almost like a performance in a weird way and it was very like heavy and long story short after a few years it, I finally kind of broke through that and I just started to let go and I felt like these beautiful states had these beautiful uh, satori experiences and then last night I had this like this thought go through my head. It's like, how are you, what is your meta reaction to the emotions or to the feeling that you're having in your body of residue stress? What is the, how are you choosing on a really, uh, like a really small level or at least a small level in sense of perception, perceiving that experience? And then I felt that I'm like, oh, wow, I can feel myself reacting to my body from a place of fear and a place of anxiety in a place of uh, being scared about it. Mm -hmm. So I just observed those thoughts. I just stepped back and like I watched those thoughts float past me, kind of like, you know, leaves and rivers, they say with meditation. And I watched those thoughts pass, uh, go past me. And then I started to like, almost in a weird way, like it was this weird, uh, like you're in this realm, this different reality. It was like, I started to like attach a different reality to it. It was like, what if this is a signal for my body of just releasing those feelings rather than my body being like, hey, like, something's going on you need to look at this fear 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 it's like what if it's just saying to me we're just passing through you mm -hmm. and then I woke up in the morning I was like well it's a great sleep and I, I thought of uh, the podcast today and I know you're in that space so I guess mm. I want to bring it up because it's a nice starting point to some of the work that you do and I'd love to hear about that but yeah that yeah experience. well I'm obsessed with metaphysical anatomy it is one of the fields that I nerd out on the most and it's a big part of what I do personally and in my work so I've always been in the space because my I come from a family of energy healers. So growing up, we did everything alternatively, homeopathically. You know, we didn't use um, mainstream medicine or, you know, certain things, certain words that I probably can't say on the podcast, but we did things very different. So I learned from a very young age that your body has an intelligence to heal itself. And it's not a case of managing symptoms. It's a case of activating that healing energy within. So... I've always been in and around this field, but then I noticed that for a lot of my life, I would actually get physically ill. 
So I would get migraines. I would get, um, I used to compete in dance competitions every year. And every single year, just before I went to compete on stage, I would get sick. I would be in the toilets, like throwing up. And I'm like, what is happening? Like, so I started to link how all of these physical responses was actually fear-based. So it was coming from fear or emotion. But the moment that really um, I became very consciously aware of this, and this is a moment that just honestly really, really changed my life forever. And it's so, so simple, but so profound. I was in my second year of uni and I was living in a house with five, five other people. Now, as a very energetically sensitive person, as a psychic, to live with that many people was quite intense as it is. But there was one girl in that house that we just had, I had constant confrontation with. And at that time in my life, I would see conflict as such a negative thing that I would withdraw. It's almost like I couldn't stand up for myself or communicate my truth in that moment. Instead, I was just like, this isn't healthy. I'm just going to remove myself. So I would just take myself out of the picture. Now, we all went to dinner one night and I was driving on the motorway and I actually fainted. I was at the wheel. So my friend who was in the passenger seat took over and pulled over and I woke up, we swapped sides, went home. There was something in that experience that really shook me because I was like, if my friend wasn't in the car and I fainted at the wheel, you naturally go into hypotheticals of like, what is going on with my body for that to happen so spontaneously, like no kind of pre, pre-warning or precursor. So I ended up, someone suggested to me, why don't you go see the university counselor? And at that point, so I was maybe like 20 years old at that point, I was like, therapy? I was like, that's very, you know, I I always associated counseling or therapy with like people that were really, you know, uh, really struggling, like in the depths, right? So I was like, I don't know what that's going to do for me, but let me just go and check it out. And so I went and I told her, look, I fainted, da, da, da. She was like, what's going on in your home life? And I was like, well, there is a lot of confrontation at home. I don't enjoy being in the house. It's, there's a lot of anger. There's a lot of negativity. And she said, Emma, you're holding so much anger in your body that you're not expressing because you haven't felt safe to express it. And so your body just shut down. Your body actually completely withdrew because your way to respond to anger is to withdraw. And she said to me, she was like, next time this girl says something to you that pisses you off or triggers you, tell her there and then to wow. her face. Tell her. And I was like, interesting. I was like, okay. Anyway, I went home after that session and just the way that the universe works, I walked in, this girl comes up to me, she's really angry. And I think for me, I've been a scapegoat for a lot of my life. So that, that was the thing is like, I was a very easy target because I was so I would just remove myself. Like they knew I wasn't going to come back at them. Do you know what I mean? So, (laughs) so she would just like direct her anger at me just because it was easy to do so. So she did that. And I just said to her, I swore for the first time at anyone in my life, I swore at her and I can't, I won't repeat exactly what I said, but it was just one sentence, very just like F off. Basically, this is just really pissing me off. Like so, so simple, but the way that that changed my life was incredible. She never, ever directed anger at me again. And we ended up becoming really good friends in the last year. And that for me was the turning point of how like holding in your emotions and not understanding how to express or transmute them really uh, affects you physically because it manifests as a physical ailment if you don't kind of uh, handle it at an emotional, energetic level. So 
that was almost the entry point to my obsession. <laughs> so it's kind of like it was floating around my whole life. Then I just got really into it. And so now I love to decode when people have physical ailments. And this is something that I pick up on when I do psychic readings is I tune into their energy field, see where their energetic dissonance is in relation to their physical body. And then I can identify the emotional imprint or thought pattern that created that physical ailment in the first place. So yeah, it's definitely something that I, I love to talk about. <laughs> well, I have so much to say on that because I, you know, like I went down the path and just for those listening, uh, uh, like kind of a disclaimer on this, like for me, I am skeptical about those kind of things that you mentioned there about um, uh, what's the technical word, uh, psychics and those kind of things. And, but I'm also of mine in the sense that I'd love to be challenged and I'd love to see things differently. So um, that's why I wanted to have you on as well, which we can touch on uh, at, a, at a later point. So I, um, for me, I went through the whole process. I went through the medical merry-go-round, so to speak, of, um, you know, having really bad insomnia. Like I had bad sleep all my life, but it never really affected me to the point it did until about 2020, June it was, June or July. I was actually living with Brandon, our mutual friend, and Zach and a few other people. I just got really bad sleep issues out of nowhere. And um, yeah, I went, I went to like see a sleep psychologist. I got my brain scanned. I saw like a neurologist. I saw a naturopath. I went to like all these different therapies, um, even, you know, beyond the medical kind of uh, uh, institution of what there is. Like I go see a psychologist and get some medication. Like I went through the whole process of other alternative therapies as well to come back to a place of the same thing. And nothing changed. And, and you could probably speak to this. Nothing really changed until I left the job that I was in at the time. Right. So I struggled with, with sleep onset, uh, sorry, sleep maintenance insomnia, which was you go to sleep very easily. I would fall asleep in like, you know, uh, one minute, like gone. Then I wake up three hours later. My heart wasn't beating fast, but it was beating really heavy. Like, and I could, and no matter how hard I tried, I tried to get back to sleep. I couldn't get back to sleep. And then after about three and a half months of this, of like, just, you know, like, uh, tapping into the, I guess you could say a version of, Tony Robbins, David Goggin, like just push through, like, you know, slow sleep doesn't matter. So I just pushed through and kept going to work. And then it got to a point where it got so bad that I just said to the people I was working with at the time, I was doing sales and marketing for a, a, a business in, in Northern Beaches in, in Manly. And I said to them, I can't do this anymore. I need some time off. And like, well, what if we did this? What if you work from home? I'm like, I just, I, I know I just need to stop. And then when I stopped progressively each week, my sleep got better and better. Like I started going bad and it's like getting better and better and better. So when you say that, for me, my my uh, rational or rather logical mind is like, does it make sense, energy and these kind of things? But at the same time, a part of me is seeking out that truth because I know a part of it's true because otherwise technical solutions would always work for technical problems. I'm not saying that energy work isn't technical. I'm just saying that what we see tangibly isn't always a solution as far as I'm concerned. And I'd love to, to hear your thoughts on that as well. Mm. Well, I always say to people, are you someone that experiences emotions? Most people say yes. I say, are you someone that experiences thoughts? Most people say yes. I say, do you have a body? They say yes. I say, okay. <laughs> so you're an emotional being, a mental being, and a physical being. Because if it was just a physical thing, you would just have a body. There would be no thoughts. There would be no emotions. That wouldn't be in your experience. So to me, I'm extremely logical. To me, it makes logical sense to see it that way. So when people right. disregard the field of metaphysical anatomy, I'm like, fair enough, but I don't think you're actually 
uh, wanting to be well informed about the entirety of the human experience. Because to me, if you have emotions and you have thoughts, it makes sense that your emotions and thoughts are going to impact your reality. How can they not if you experience them? So that's how I see it. So I, I even with spirituality, psychic, everything that's uh, what you would class as like metaphysical, I, I see it through the lens of logic. So kind of one of my abilities is to take something that feels very complex or intangible and make it very practical so that people can see that it makes logic sense in their experience because I'm just a logical person. So that's just, to me, that's just how I see the world. Um, so yeah, that that's my perspective on that. <laughs> so to expand that and to agree with you on that in my own way, I, so I, I've been doing uh, a lot of uh, parts work with a, a psychologist, right? And EMDR and things like that. And going through my childhood, going through every single memory and understanding, you know, what's emotional charges and where it exists in the, in my, in my current reality. And every time we go into that place of like speaking to my parts, if you, are you familiar with parts work at all? Of course I did it for years. I don't do it anymore. Uh, now and then, but I don't, I, yeah, I used to do it with clients. That was the main thing. Awesome. Cool. So I'd, I'd go into my place and then I'd speak to my parts and the loudest thing in the room was always my critical part, right? It was always mm. like, uh, that doesn't make sense. This is silly. This is stupid. This is dumb. And what I've discovered to a degree is that I use that part as a way to protect myself from going deeper, from going to that next level, right? And so I think there's a fine line. And, and literally what you said then has made me think even deeper about this, but it's like there's a fine line between uh, being critical and looking at things logically. So being critical is like, you're almost like, um, it's like, uh, it's like a selective ignorance, um, geared towards a specific location with the aim of helping you to, uh, see the reality that you want, as opposed to challenging it. And mm -hmm. I think that that's what I was doing. Right. And it's like growing up as a kid, like you want to, it's almost like you, you, the emotions are too hard. So you go critical and you look at things very logically. Mm. I think. I know with me, my genetic makeup and my energetic blueprint is logical by nature. So to be logical is actually one of my superpowers. So this is the way that I put it, though, is it's not logic, which is the issue or the thing that slows you down or blocks you from seeing something for the truth that it is. It's actually the lens that you put that logic through. So, for example, uh, I posted about this recently where I said something along the lines of I was speaking about manifestation. And I was like, doesn't it make logical sense that the desires that you feel for your life and the intuitive impulses that you feel that you want to create for your life, that big vision that you know on your heart is meant for you, doesn't it make logical sense for you to listen to that as your guidance rather than what makes sense, right? So you could apply logic through the lens of, well, what makes sense for my next step? And then my next step after that, and then my next step after that, like, where should I move? What job should I get? You can put logic that lens or you can actually look at it of you've got one lifetime in this brain and in this body a short lifetime at that so doesn't it make logical sense to just leap and trust doesn't it make logical sense to listen to those desires that you can't get rid of because they're always going to be there no matter what you do no matter what direction you go in what's on your heart to be actualized is never going to leave you so does it not make sense to just pause and tune into that and listen to that and let that be your guiding force rather than what you can see in your tangible reality. So it's not logic, which is the thing that uh, blocks us from a spiritual experience or an expansive life, however you want to kind of word that. It's the lens that you choose to look at it through. Mm. 
do you think though that so what's the difference between that and someone who is say uh this is i've used a fictional person they're they're a very spiritual person by definition of themselves they go to all these festivals they don't want to get a job because they want to live in the moment they want to be like um how would you say go from festival to festival be spiritual like not have a job and kind of then complain about it because they don't have a job and what's the difference between someone who who lets go and really surrenders and someone who says they're spiritual but has nothing going for them uh in the material sense and do you think that that the how would you say that this reality that we're living in is isn't about individuals but rather the collective and that everyone has their uh their individual tasks that are based on the collective and sometimes that might mean letting go and just being the person that you 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 think you want to be in your mind but you have to be something else because of the whole collective does that make sense <laughs> it did until that last bit can you just repeat that last bit again yeah yeah sure sure so what i'm saying is that um i'm challenged i'm i'm looking at some of the people that say similar stuff around uh being spiritual and letting go and having faith and and really trusting quote unquote the universe below those people that i meet they have no job and like they're living like doing odd jobs here and there and they're trying to live in the moment as they say and they don't want to get a full-time job and, and, and various things like that that's just one definition i'm not saying you have to get a full-time job and when i thought about that i thought about um as a collective do you think that some people are required to do that because that's part of what the collective needs to do from a universal sense or do you think we all have our individual paths that we can influence i think the example you just used is escapism mm. so i think spirituality is one of the biggest coping mechanisms to escape reality yeah. so the way that i see spirituality is i use spirituality to understand reality i actually use it to ground into reality there are a lot of people that say that they are spiritual that they uh, engage in spiritual practices that are very focused on the ascension right the transcendence of this human experience transcending emotions being one with whatever right the way that i see it is this the most spiritual experience you can do is to be fully anchored into your humanness is to be so grounded in reality because why sorry my camera shaking when i get passionate <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like very handsy. Like why would we incarnate here if we weren't wanting to experience the tangible reality? Right? So it's like the way I see it is that the most spiritual experience for me is to be so grounded in this reality, to absorb everything that this reality has to offer including the things that cause the most suffering and pain for us like duality and polarity contrast right the things that we've chosen to experience in this third dimensional time space reality for the expansion of the universe if i'm not fully grounded in my humanness or in this reality i'm actually bypassing the spiritual experience so i see that a lot of people utilize spirituality as relief and they confuse relief with true joy so a lot of people and and the thing is everyone has a different life path so for some people going from festival to festival that might be their purpose like that might be their purpose maybe that's how they spread love maybe that's how you know because your purpose isn't what you do it's who you are right and that comes through the way you talk like the micro moments the macro moments it, it's so many different things um so that might be the case for some people but there is so much confusion around like spirituality and like actual spirituality 
Um, so that's what I would say with the example that you've used. Now, something else that I want to bring into this conversation, I actually spoke about this last night, is that a lot of spiritual teachings aren't necessarily matching the current collective consciousness. So I would say that a lot of like the time that we're in with where the collective consciousness is at right now is teaching us that we have the power to create our reality, right? Through seeing the vision, holding the vision, surrendering and trusting to that vision and all of these other things. Like it's very much creation-based, manifestation-based, however you want to call it, right? There is also another layer beyond that, which is more like the Buddha-style teaching, the non-duality, uh, the effortless action. That's like uh, high-level spirituality. But if you take those teachings and apply it to someone that's not actually anchored into their humanness, so they're not actually doing the inner work or like transcending their emotions, that then becomes counterproductive uh, because it becomes escapism, right? So wow. it's like... It there's many different layers to this, but what I would say is the most important thing is that people are brutally, brutally honest with where they are at, right? I wouldn't class myself as a fully enlightened being. So I'm not at that stage where things just happen effortlessly and there's no conscious thought behind what I want to create. I'm still in the situation where I consciously create my reality as well as allowing it to happen, but I, I often create my reality through my thoughts, what I seed into my vortex. Um, whereas there are people that exist that create their reality based off of effortless action. Like Michael Singer, who wrote the surrender experiment. He's a great example of that. Eckhart Tolle. Like, no intended soul. People, yeah. Like there are people that exist that are at that level. I'm just not at that level. You might not be at that level. Like our next door neighbor might not be at that level. So it doesn't matter what level you're at. The most important thing for me is that you're incredibly honest so that you're applying the teachings that best match where, you are, where you're at and what you need. Hey guys, before we dive deeper into this episode, I just wanted to ask a quick question. Are you over worrying about having to create content? Are you over that nagging feeling telling you that you should be posting today? Or I should have posted yesterday, or I should be more consistent with my content? Well, there's no need to worry anymore because my business, Personify, we focus on helping leaders to grow an online presence. And we do this through content creation. We have a multi-step process where we do all of the clip selection, the strategizing, the uploading of the content, the copyright of the content, the video editing, the graphic design, a whole lot across all 10 platforms. So if you're a business owner out there, or if you're a leader, or if you're someone who has something to say, and you don't have to worry about creating all this content, which by the way, can take upwards of 30 hours each week, then let us know. We're here to help. You can reach out to me on the website, www.getpersonified. G-E-T-P-E-R-S-O-N-I-F-I-E-D.co. It's also in the link below. Peace. And I saw the logic there around the distinction between uh, escapism and facing reality and that real spirituality is grounding yourself completely in reality. And I love that. It reminds me of a quote, and I was listening to a lot of his stuff back in 2016, Alan Watts. Everyone probably knows him by this at this point. Uh, out of your mind, the, the series, I, I watched that 14-hour uh, audio, uh, audible book over and over again. And there's one quote in it that he says in there that's so powerful. And again, different categories of spirituality for different people. But he says something along the lines of like, uh, what I call a real swing human being is one that knows that he's beyond the game of life, but plays the game of life fully. 100%. He plays. So like it's, and, and what that embodies for me is like, and I think he says after this, he goes, you know, you, you go through the heartbreaks and you're fully in it. Like you're fully in love and like you're feeling all the emotions of love and then like you're 
you know, you're going out to have fun with your friends, but then behind all, so you're playing this, this, this beautiful large game of life, but behind all that, you know, that it's more than that. And like, it's almost like that, um, existential chuckle that you have. It's like, you start laughing to yourself. It's like, what am I, yeah. <laughs> this is so silly, but it's like, it's so funny. And, and I really love that. And I, and I, what you said before really made me think of that. Yeah. And I would love to expand on that because so what Alan Watts Please. said there is essentially like the highest level spiritual teaching. Right. But people just interpret and elicit it in different ways. But that's essentially what it is, is that this personality, this identity that we have as Luke, as Emma is our avatar. But we are actually like the truth of who we are is the awareness behind that avatar. So this is what trips people up is attachment and identification. So when something happens to you or you have a thought or you have an emotion, when you are attached to it, you make it mean something about you. And when you make it mean something about you, you generate a story about yourself. That story creates resistance between where you are and what you want to create. So when you're able, and this is something I teach uh, my community all the time, is to be the observer of your experience. It's one of the most powerful things you can do, like take guided meditation completely off the table for a moment. If you actually want to be a resilient mind, which is like a core pillar of the work that I do, if you want to be resilient, you must learn to sit with yourself without judgment, without avoidance, and without narrative. When you can do that, you're actually sitting as the truth of who you are, which is awareness. You're sitting as the witness and the observer of your experience without identifying with it. When you do that, you're actually existing in the realm of effortless change. You get to create from a place of uh, your creative genius, which is your nature, rather than trying to find resolution for a past hurt in your identity. Because the only time that you can really be triggered is when you're in your identity. When you're beyond that, you will experience the same circumstance, but the trigger will be different. Mm. Right? So the, the thing is, is this, it's very simple. It's very profound, but it really takes practice to arrive to that place. Some people can get there instantly, like instant awakenings. Some people, it takes the practice of returning to that place of being awareness and releasing your attachments to people, places, things, and opportunities because it really is attachment to something that creates suffering and attachment is the opposite of freedom. When you release your attachments, you experience freedom no matter what your circumstances are. And that's the difference between circumstantial power and personal power. Circumstantial power is relying on your attachments to people, places, or things as a means to feel safe, to feel secure, to feel certain. When you release your attachment to that, you actually return to that your truth as a free, limitless being, which is awareness, who, which is having a physical experience, but it's not attached to it, right? So that's how I see that. I love that. And I would love to get deeper in the, uh, the roots of that and also offer a distinction from my side and hear your thoughts on it. I think when people hear that, that have been on that journey, on that, that quote-unquote spiritual journey or be on that meditation journey, the question that might come up and perhaps you have an answer for this is that, okay, great. I've been meditating and I've had those mini awakenings or mini satori experiences, but I then start to notice that I identify with unidentifying. I'm trying to get so close to it's like a, you go, the, you go layer back, but then you realize that you've attached that layer. I wonder if there's, if someone's meditating and they feel that non-attachment and they feel that they've let go, but then they start attaching to letting go. And then that brings them back to that same place. What would you do in that instance? What's, what are your thoughts on that? 
that's not letting go. It's right. like it's like when people say, oh, I've surrendered, but nothing's changed. Well, you haven't surrendered then. Yeah. You're actually, if there is any level of attachment, you are still in your ego. You haven't actually accessed the realm beyond that. So that's what I would say is any attachment says that you're still in identification of something. The true letting go, the true surrender is indescribable. It's, it's an experience and a feeling state that I believe cannot be articulated through the human language. It's something that can't be comprehended through our current level of consciousness. So that's why when I speak to people about my spiritual awakening experience, I'm like, I can only say so much because the rest of it is something that you will never understand unless you experience it. It is indescribable. And I think that's the point of it because the human language exists at a certain level of consciousness and, you know, the other densities or dimensions beyond that, uh, you know, there is no language. So language is beautiful and expansive. It's also a limitation by nature and limitation doesn't mean a bad thing. It's just limited so that we can understand each other. But beyond that level of, uh, you know, uh, verbal articulation is something that is uh, so mis um, what's the word? So not understandable because it exists at such a different frequency. I think for those listening, when it comes to that, um, I remember when I first started getting to this kind of stuff back in 2013 or 12, and um, I thought to myself, oh, non-attachment, it's going to get me what I want, it's going to get me success or get me this or allow me to be more confident or less social anxiety. And um, as I went along, um, I realized that the attachment to the word non-attachment was me, <laughs> it, was, it was still being attached to something. And then also at the same time, when I got through that, then I felt like, oh, non-attachment is this like uh, this cold place where I don't care about anything. I become like heartless and like kind of in a weird way. Like, and again, these are my projections, right? Like you can hear yeah. it in my voice, just projecting, projecting, projecting. So I wanted to say to people out there listening that like, um, and for me, like, you know, I'm nowhere close to where I want to be as far as, um, no, actually, no, I am where I want to be, but I'm, but there's, I'm not in line. Good direction. To make, keep, keep, keep it simple. I'm not in line, but um, I've had many Satori experiences. And like you said, I remember in 2015, I did Joe Dispenza's meditation. That was my first little one. And I was laying on the bed and I, I floated up on top of the bed and it felt like I was like 30, maybe even a, a meter above the bed. I'm just like yeah. floating there, just like giggling to myself, like <laughs> just like laughing. <laughs> and um, and then a year later, I had I was reading Eckhart Tolle, um, A New Earth uh, on my phone on, on Kindle or on iBooks or something. And I was sitting on the train I read a passage. I can't remember what it was, but I read a passage. I remember looking up and I remember seeing people on the train and everyone on the train is very miserable. And especially in Sydney, they're just like, oh, it's in the morning. People are going to work. Mm -hmm. I remember seeing like everyone had like this duality of like good and bad in them. And people were sad and happy at the same time. And I almost like felt pulsations from every person on the train, like this weird pulsation. And I looked outside on the, the coal train tracks. I saw like the, it's like I was on DMT or something, but it was like the, the coal pieces were like glittering and the trees were glittering. I just started like giggling to myself and laughing and that lasted about two or three weeks. And then I started to get really attached to that feeling. I'm like, I love this feeling. I have no anxiety. Like I'm just like floating around laughing, like having fun. It's like this weird yeah. place I was in. Then I got attached to it and they're like really, then it went away. It was just like, went, like damn it. Mm. Well, that's why people get attached to psychedelics and plant medicine, right? Because it's like, they're like, oh, I finally found a route into this, this feeling, which actually feels more at home for me than anything else, right? Those states of being are very uh, natural for us humans. 
that it can then become uh, an addiction or an attachment to that feeling state. So it, it is interesting. Uh, you did mention something I wanted to elaborate on, and I can't remember what the segue was now. Um, Feel free to, no. to think about it for a second. Yeah. The I can't remember. Was it the correction? Uh, no, it was before that. But that being said as well, like let's talk about that because th that is one of the biggest causes of human suffering is people thinking that they should be somewhere else than where they are right now. It is so incredibly hard for a human to just admit that they are perfect as they are right now in this moment. It is so hard for a human to admit that this present moment is all that they need. It's insane how people are so um, so used to projecting themselves into the future. And I'm not uh, making that wrong, making that bad. I think it's just human nature. But this is what's really interesting. Yeah, but this is what's really interesting. And I said this to a girlfriend the other day is she was like, she was in quite a bad uh, state. She was in a very negative state. She was in like a shame hole. And she was just like, I know that, you know, I'm worried what I'm going to be creating for my future because I feel like I can't get out of this feeling state. So obviously, firstly, I'm like, well, the, the feeling of needing to get out of it is avoiding it. So if you're trying to rush the clarity of something, rush the understanding, rush the change of emotional state, you're not being present with it. So you're actually creating more resistance. Um, and that resistance is just going to persist. And then you're going to feel like you're locked in there for, for forever. So the more that you can be present and lean into the present moment, you actually move th through things quicker. It's very ironic. And I love that. Um, but the other thing I said to her was like, remember that we live in a world of magic and pure potentiality, right? So you're currently anticipating what you're going to create for your future based off your current set point. If you change your current set point, you can change your future like that. Magic can happen in the next minute. Magic can happen tomorrow. It's completely pure potentiality. We're not there yet. So when you can actually be okay exactly where you are right now, what happens in that moment is you release attachment that you need to be somewhere else than where you are right now. So it actually releases the resistance that you're holding in between where you are and where you want to be. When you release that resistance, you clean your energy. So you have more of a clean vibration, which means that from that place, you are creating a different future in the now. So I think, like again, it's logical sense. Does it not make logical sense to be present in the moment? Because you know that by doing so, you're going to change the set point of your future. But if you're stressing about the future, then you're creating a stressful future. Like, Profound. So... Yeah, so I see it very logically like that. So that that's really interesting. And I think um, on that note, this is where people, I think, really confuse perfectionism with expectation. I believe that everything is perfect. Right now, everything is perfect. When people say like, oh, I'm not perfect. I'm like, why would you even say that? You are an absolute walking miracle on legs. You are absolutely <laughs> perfection right now. So I always say to people, it's not perfection that's hurting you, it's expectation. It's a fact that you have an expectation of what perfect should be, as if perfect is something other than what you are right now. That's what creates disappointment. That's what creates shame and the feeling of failure or the feeling like I should be further along than where I am right now, like in my job or relationship or success in general, is expectation. It's, it's an ideal that you've projected for yourself more often than not, based off of wounding of where you think you need to be to be validated for your existence. When you release the expectation and you realize that right now you are exactly where you need to be and everything is perfect, even when you're feeling shit, when you're feeling high, when you're feeling sad, when you're feeling ecstatic, whatever it is, it is perfect because it is human. 
And whenever you make a feeling wrong or bad, that is when you stay in it. When you accept it for what it is and when you welcome that emotion, you welcome that experience, you welcome that uh, physical sensation, whatever it is, it's actually doing the opposite of what feels most familiar, but that is actually what helps you transcend it. If you're not accepting it, you're not transcending it. You're actually staying stuck in it. That's profound. And I feel like a lot of that, um, and I'm speaking from my own experience here, not not speaking to everyone else, but I feel like a lot of that comes from uh, personal development, quote unquote, um, around like we need, we ought to change change your mindset or change this or like to see it differently here or see it differently there, which I think has utility to a degree. But I feel like a lot of that work, uh, it, it, it does two things. It like, it makes you feel better in, in a roundabout way, but then also in a weird way. And let's get really specific here. I mean, like, um, uh, so I, you know, I'll speak from my own experience. I started doing uh, reading Terry Robbins when I was 16 and I remember reading, buying his like, uh, the ultimate edge, uh cds and like listening to every single one and like telling my yeah <laughs> telling my friends like i'm gonna i'm doing this i'm doing that i'm gonna be a multi-millionaire by the time i'm like 18 i was like 17 at the time like a year later and things like that and just like this whole reality but what happened is it like it almost created a split between me and like it and i think it's different for everyone i'm not gonna force my reality to everyone else but like i it, it created a split of like I can only be a certain person if I'm willing to push against that intuitive feeling of who I ought to be. Right. It's like, I feel like this, I don't want to, I want to go this direction, but it's time to go this direction. And I think the solution there is more discipline and more hard work and more like, you know, knuckle down Luke or like you're lazy or this or you're that. So it created a split between, Hey, I'm, I'm awesome the way I am. I'm really cool the way I am. I just have some things that I want to look at and go deeper on. Uh, it went from that to like, uh, for these three steps or five steps, and if you don't do them, like you're lazy, you're dirty, you're, you know, you're, you're just not good enough kind of thing. So I think that there's a disclaimer that should come with personal development, truthfully. Yeah. And, and kind of circling back to what we were saying before, that level of personal development can be very helpful for a lot of people based off of where they're at, which you touched on. Whereas mm. when you're in that space for quite a while, you realize that that level of, I want to say like self-improvement, and I'm doing it in quote marks because like- Me too. The, <laughs> <laughs> yeah I'm like the self-improvement space can be more detrimental than anything because um it keeps people in the loop of feeling like they're broken and there's something that they need to change or there's something that they need to heal and if you feel that there's something you need to change or something you need to heal that in and of itself is affirming to yourself that there is something wrong with you or there is something broken and in that affirmation you are rejecting yourself self-rejection is separation separation is the cause of all suffering on this planet so that's why I say to people, when you welcome something, when you welcome an emotion, even like a physical ailment, right? Like if you uh, stub your toe or hurt your ankle, right? It's so easy to want to get angry. It's okay if you feel angry temporarily. Stubbing your toe is like the most, one of the most painful experiences, right? Be angry for 30 seconds and then accept it. If you go about your day being like, oh, I can't believe I did this. Now I can't walk properly. Now, da, da, da. what are you doing? You're, you're rejecting your reality. When you reject it, you're creating separation. Separation is causing suffering. The longer you stay in suffering, the longer your health will get worse. Your love will get worse. Your, do you see what I mean? Whereas if you're like, oh, okay, I accept that I've hurt my toe. Thank you, body, for showing me that there's something my body is communicating to me. I'm now ready to listen. 
because maybe I wasn't open to listening when the messages were coming through intuitively or, or on an emotional level or on a thinking level. But now that I've experienced it physically, thank you for showing me. I'm going to sit with my body and I'm going to tune in and I'm going to let my body share this intelligence with me. Because I truly believe that your body is never, ever against you. Your body is always working for you, always. It is incredible. The intelligence your body has is absolutely insane. And if you start accepting these physical sensations that you're having and see your body as a transmitter of information, because that's all it is, it's a transmitter of information, you're then open to receiving the healing. And when you're open to receiving the healing, you move through it quicker. So people mm. keep themselves in chronic suffering because they're rejecting their experience. So when you welcome things, it's actually the movement of bringing it towards yourself, which in essence is what self-love is. It's the movement of bringing something towards yourself. It's acceptance. That's powerful. So what do you feel about, let's get into like specific examples. What do you feel about someone who has, and I, I, I have my own opinion on this, but I'd love to hear yours first. It's what do you feel about someone who, is experiencing say IBS or chronic gut issues or something like that. And, and they go down the, uh, how do you say gut health route? They buy all the you know probiotics and get their GI mapped and, you know, do all the fancy stuff and, and they find some results, but there's still something is still playing up and they live this for the rest of their life. They rest, rest their life, but most of their life, they live like this kind of, Oh, I have to avoid these foods or I have to do a keto diet or I have to do like carnivore diet after these diets. Do you feel like that's just a Band-Aid on top of the gushing wound? I'm so excited about this one. <laughs> I have very close personal experience with this. So this was another key catalyst that got me into the field of metaphysical anatomy. So I know this very well. Long story, very, very short. I experienced IBSC for pretty much my whole life to the point where going to uni, I was so embarrassed about sharing a bathroom that I applied for an ensuite only, right? So uh, it was something that I felt very uncomfortable about a lot my, my entire life. And um, when I was uh, in Australia, when I used to live in Melbourne, I was actually in and out of hospital for about a year with all of these crazy pains, a lot of symptoms. They thought that it was showing signs of uh, bowel cancer, maybe Crohn's disease, like it got to that level. I had the endoscopies, the colonoscopies. I had every kind of uh, examination you could imagine. And they found nothing. And I was like, the symptoms are so real, but they're not finding anything. And there was a part of me that wanted them to find something so I could understand what I was going through. Because for a human being in a state of confusion or uncertainty is one of the most uh, hardest states to be in. Right? Yep. This is why we want to find something. I actually just did a post about this on my story that I'm going to post in a minute. But um, anyway, so I, what happened was I went through all of those tests and I was like, what are you doing? Of course, it's emotional. Of course, it's energetic. Why have I not looked there first? Because even though I'm already uh, well-versed in this field, the, the symptoms were so real and so strong. I was like, it must be, there must be something that will come up in the exam, right? So I followed that path. There's nothing wrong with that. Then when I realized they're not finding anything and I was like, of course. So I then did a self-healing. This is how crazy this is. And this freaking blows my mind freaking blows my mind. This is why I love this work so much. I did a self-healing session and I sat there and I brought awareness to my gut and I just listened. I just held space. I just created enough space to listen without making it mean anything, without story. And what came through was that I was carrying my mum's trauma. It wasn't even mine to carry. 
And all of these dots started connecting of the fact that she's had gut issues and there's loads of foods that she can't eat and that, that. And then I was like, I was brought back to my, to when I was in her womb, because a lot of trauma can actually be related to conception during the womb. And then at the, uh, you know, at birth, because birth is very, a very traumatic experience. I actually studied, when I studied energy psychology, I studied birth trauma. So because I'm open to that, my, my consciousness can take me there. So I was taken to my time in the womb and it was like, oh, there's a big energy of grief when I was in the womb. Now, I consciously know that my mum lost her father three months before I was conceived. And my mum said to me that the entire time she was pregnant with me, she was grieving the loss of her father. And it was only until the day that she was holding me in her arms that she realized she needed to get over that grief. So I was like, <laughs> right? I've just spent nine months when I'm forming my body and my nervous system, absorbing, because babies, when we absorb nutrients and we also absorb energy. So we absorb our mother's energy, just like we absorb nutrients. And I was like, I was just, the when I was being built, I was absorbing grief. That was the predominant energy, emotion that I was consuming as a tiny little fetus who's extremely suggestible. So IBS and gut issues can be very closely related with grief. You know about the, um, the gut-brain axis, like the gut is really the center of where we hold emotion. So any intense emotion will usually be held there, but especially grief is quite a big one. So when I came to that realization that it actually wasn't my stuff, I was just carrying my mum's patterns, it changed. It changed. Now I've had uh, a, a couple of times where I've been through seasons of uh, disruptive gut health when, when I'm going through a highly stressful time or emotional time. But since that moment, I've rarely had an issue since. And that was going through a couple of decades of this to then no issues whatsoever. As I was saying, that's, that's essentially the, the, the power of bringing awareness to what's going on, realizing that there is an emotional and energetic component to it. So when it comes to gut health, just to kind of give, um, because it's one of the most common things we experience, so it'll probably help a lot of, uh, of people listening. If it comes to constipation, it's usually that you have a, a learned behavior to hold on to things. You struggle to let go and fully trust. And uh, you actually find safety. This is a really big one. You actually find safety in holding on to negative experiences as a way to protect yourself from those experiences happening again. So it's a protection mechanism. If it's uh, diarrhea, then you usually struggle to uh, digest people or situations in your life. And I feel, I feel like with diarrhea, it's very closely connected with a lack of self-nourishment and nurture. So you're not actually absorbing the nutrients from what you're consuming. You're not listening to your environment. You're not absorbing what's happening in your environment, you're either rejecting your environment or the relationships in your environment, or you're rejecting your own self-care and self-nourishment. Now, the gut is closely connected with the solar plexus, which energetically speaking represents self-esteem, confidence, willpower, uh, ability to take action, personal power, masculine energy, self-support, all of those things. So usually people that experience gut issues are also experiencing uh, some sort of deficit or deficiency with those things. And that's incredible. Like I'm really passionate about this because I've gone through this whole journey myself of like having this health stuff. I started with insomnia and then it went to the gut. It was like, I started to have really bad stomach pains 
and like unexplainable, almost like out of body, but in body. Uh, like the, the, it felt so bad in my gut. I'd eat certain foods. I'd eat foods in general, actually. And I just feel out of it, like really out of it. Sometimes I'd feel like my body's on fire, like really weird things going on. And um, I went through this process of like, the answer's in, there's a technical solution to this and it's got to be found in like, oh, my lactobacillus reteri or my bifobacterium infidus is low. And that then, you know, like really like, uh, uh, really materialistic in the sense of uh, it has to be material, not, it can't be like something outside of that. So I went on the whole path. I spent, you know, like a good, uh, you know, a couple of grand, about five, six grand doing like uh, gut uh, uh, GI mapping, like mapping my whole gastrointestinal system. And there was things in there. It was technically leaky gut. Technically my, you know, my, the gut lining was compromised and I had an overgrowth of a particular um, uh, bacteria and things like that. So there was something there, but I did all that. I went through that whole program. I spent, you know, I don't know how much on supplements, but I went through that whole thing. And I came out feeling, if I'm honest with you, and I and I feel bad saying this because I don't want the other person to feel bad, but it is what it is, feeling probably the same, if not worse, at some days, you know, like feeling like my gut would always be in pain. So I had to coordinate my whole life around it. Like I got to eat like, you know, a certain amount of hours before bed. Otherwise, if I eat this time, then I'll go to bed. And long story short, um, you know, and and someone I was, I was seeing at the time, she kept saying to me, she's like, it's not... <laughs> Yeah, sure. Food influences it, but it's not, it's, it's, it's stress. Like it's, and that's, that's the, that's the, uh, the, the modern way to say that it's energetic, you know, it's like it's stress, it's stress. It's like, ah, oh, yeah, whatever. Then I really started to focus on my stress. I'm going to the lazy. I really started to focus on the stress. So I started to, uh, cap, you know, the amount of hours I'd work. I started to, um, uh, try and get more sunlight, you know, doing things, just the basics on stress. I've gone through that process now and like, I feel way better. I feel probably, you know, from three out of 10 in health to like, uh, you know, six and then to probably about like a seven and a half ish. Um, and to now just like, I'm tr my goal now. And I think it's important to just acknowledge where you're at, but like my right now, I had that realization last night and that could have been because of this conversation. It could have been you maybe even, you know, like just putting that in the field or whatever. But now I feel like I'm a stage of like, I'm going to get really, really, aware of what is going on in my body and for example i was living in a place and this is just a side i, I know i keep talking about it but a, i lived in a place that about uh a year ago and i felt really sick there and i thought it was the mold i thought it was just the mold there's certain places i'd feel really really sick so i always thought it was something external like it's mold or it's you know it's the foods i'm eating and it change all these things around me and the more i go along it's like I'm, I'm just starting to really believe that it's it's actually got to do with um yeah, like my, my, what am I feeling? Like what's around me? What am I experiencing? And like, you know, how can I sit with that? And how can I feel my stomach and, and love it and take appreciation for it? So it's what you said is really important to me. And I think for a lot of people listening, because there's a lot of chronic issues out there that people have, especially now, timing, right? Um, that, that doesn't get addressed. Absolutely. And yeah, yeah. And I just want to make a point of saying that external factors absolutely play a, a part in it. So I don't want people to think we're disregarding the physical reality, which I know you are not. I don't want people to think I'm disregarding it. But here's the way that I see it is that. Okay, you're ready for this. I am. <laughs> so I, I believe that we live in um, a vibrational reality, meaning that everything that we experience in this tangible reality is of a vibrational fabric, right? So when I say vibrational, I mean like energetic. So essentially 
what I believe is that atoms vibrate and the vibrate creates an oscillation. Now, the quicker that atoms will vibrate, the faster the frequency. So this is things that we can't see tangibly, like thoughts, feelings, ideas, emotions, but we know that they exist because we can sense them. They're a very real experience. Then there are, when atoms vibrate slower, this is things that we can see in our tangible reality because the human eye can only uh, interpret a certain level of vibration. Anything above that, it can't interpret unless you're born with extrasensory abilities where you can actually see auras and things like that, right? So um, the way that I see it is because everything is vibrational in nature, what happens is our bodies naturally uh, bring themselves into homeostasis. It brings us into balance. So exactly as you said with stress, when we experience some sort of traumatic event, and by traumatic event, I don't mean, you know, just like a car crash or, you know, uh, parents getting divorced or things like that. A traumatic event is anything that takes you out of your neutrality. It could be someone wolf whistling to you and you're like, whoop, that scared me. That can be trauma because it takes you out of your uh, state of neutrality. Now, what happens is short term, and I'm sure you know this, but short term, our body can bring us back into homeostasis. We shake it off. Our nervous system can bring us back into balance. That brings us back into neutrality. When we experience a traumatic event and we don't feel like we can bring it back into homeostasis because maybe we feel like we can't flee from the situation, we can't fight the situation, so instead we freeze, what happens is we then stay in a prolonged state of stress. When we stay in a prolonged state of stress, that actually creates an energetic dissonance in our energy field. That energetic dissonance, if not dealt with, will gradually manifest as a physical ailment so that it can be received as information physically and therefore be brought back into balance, which often will take... Um, you know, like physical things to actually bring your body back into healing. But I do believe if you're doing physical healing, you must also do the emotional mental healing. Because if you're healing your body physically, but you're also not addressing the emotional and mental component of it, because we've already established we are mental, emotional, physical beings, then you're kind of only doing it a third of the way. Right. So that's what I would say with that. Um, so that's essentially like very, very simply that's that's kind of how it works from like a, a, an energetic level. So any type of physical ailment is essentially an energetic dissonance. Now, here's the really cool part is our body is a very literal representation of our thoughts and emotions. So even things like, you know, have you ever heard someone say, oh, I feel like I've got the weight of the world on my shoulders, right? Mm -hmm. Or, oh, I really can't stomach that. Or, um, oh, it's just a pain in the neck right? <laughs> All of those things are very uh, literal representations of where we're going to feel that stress in our body. So if you've got tense shoulders, it's because you're taking on responsibility that's not yours, right? This is the people pleasers. This is the people that are um, trying to overexceed and overachieve, right? Just so they're seen and validated. They're taking on other people's problems. If you can't stomach a situation, like if you're struggling to digest a relationship or how someone's behaving towards you, you'll get stomach issues, gut issues. If, um, if you feel like someone is really irritating you in your environment, you're going to feel it in your neck. It's they're a pain in the neck. So it's actually very easy to identify what it is when you actually understand how literal the body is. Um, so, yeah. <laughs> it's almost like we're going roundabout. We're going like, we're trying to get, trying to find a solution by like, hey, like from A to B is right here. The solution's right there. We go from A 
to like Z or like, oh, it's the gut. No, it's the nervous system. Oh, yeah, no, yeah, it's yeah. this or it's that. Like this yeah, ran yeah, around yeah. In, in circles. Um, yeah. I wanted to ask as a way to, to uh, leave with something practical. Um, I thought like that might be, might be what's, what's required. But um, when someone's, so let's go for, through some examples, right? So someone who's, it can be general, it can be specific. Feel free to answer how you want to. Like you have the escapism example. You have someone going through gut health. You have someone, uh, maybe some chronic health issues, someone who's going through a breakup or, you know, they're feeling like anxious attachment or avoidant attachment, all these different things that we labels we use. How can someone even begin to change that? Not by trying to change it in a physical reality only, but in the metaphysical, what, what, what steps or what step would you take to begin that journey? Mm. So kind of circling back to what I mentioned about, it really depends where you're at in your journey. Because a lot of what I might say might contextually be um, like inefficient. So what advice I might give to one person in one context would be completely contradicted in another context. But to kind of keep it broad for the sake of the question, I would say that acceptance is incredibly healing. People really overlook that. So whether it's a physical ailment, whether it's a behavior pattern, whether it's you know, whatever it is, when you can actually create space to bring awareness to it without judgment, avoiding, or trying to create meaning to it, like a narrative, you actually enter the healing space. Even last night, I was going for a walk and I just put some um, like meditation music on because I just felt called. And I just created space in my body. And then my body took me or my awareness took me exactly where I needed to go. And I had this massive healing experience whilst walking along the beach <laughs> like mind-blowing I got in and I was like oh my god like all these dots are connected and this and this and this and the way that it shifted my energy and also external awareness noticing how um I'm responding differently to certain situations and certain people just because I brought awareness to something is incredible incredible it shifted me so much now I've practiced this for years <laughs> So for me, it's very, very easy to go straight to awareness and to not get stuck in emotional story. For other people, you've got to be very honest with where you're at. Do I feel like, um, like for a lot of people, I think actually working with a practitioner can be a really powerful way to start because you actually get the experience of being held in a non-judgmental space, which teaches you to be able to activate that within yourself, right? So um, the thing about working with a practitioner, coach, healer as well, is because they're holding you in a non-judgmental space, they're holding you with no shame. And that's the thing with, with any type of pattern or trauma or stress that we're still holding in our body is there's a part of us that's still seeking validation for how we felt at the time that that happened. And because we didn't feel seen, heard or validated, we're still holding on to that and we're seeking resolution for it. When we can actually be held in a space of no judgment, we feel validated. Now, it's not to validate the pattern or the behavior, because if you normalize it, you'll continue with it. But it's to validate that you feel the way that you feel. And there's nothing wrong with that. You don't need to change it. There's no other way to be. It is what it is. Sometimes, so I don't do this type of coaching anymore, but I used to have clients jump on a call with me. Within a couple of minutes, they were crying their eyes out. They were like, I don't know why I'm crying. I said, you don't have to. It's okay. But what happened was, <laughs> Because they were being held in such unconditional love, naturally, anything that doesn't match that vibration of unconditional love will come up to be purged. So that's the main thing, like 
for me is I do so much self-healing and self-regulation work so that I can be a beacon of love for other people because I know that that's healing for them. To be in the presence of someone and to not judge them, no matter what they're going through, to not judge them is so transformational. It's insane. And this is why I always say to people, transformation is so simple in nature. It's not easy. It's the hardest thing you'll ever do, but it's very simple. And people overcomplicate it. And this is the thing like with personal development and self-improvement is people come out with strategies and step-by-steps and all these things. And it actually keeps you more in resistance than anything else because it's simpler than that. Like, you know, when you've transformed something, when you respond differently to the same circumstance, that's when you know that you've transformed something. It's responding differently to the same stimulus. So transformation is is very, very simple. Um, And so I would say for people to focus on holding space for your thoughts, your emotions and physical sensations without judgment, avoidance or making it mean something it doesn't need to mean, that actually is what catalyzes you into healing. Now, the main thing with that is to trust that the healing is going to take place because often people will be like, okay, so I've done the work. Now what? Now how do I integrate it? And the most important thing to know is that healing or integration is a natural consequence of sitting with yourself non-judgmentally. There is nothing else you need to do. You trust, you surrender, you be present, you stay aware, and the integration will happen. And you will realize that something has shifted when exactly what I just said, when something happens and you respond differently to it. And then you're like, whoa, that's growth. Mm. But until that Mm. moment happens, you're not going to fully experience, you're not going to know you fully integrated it. So just carry on with your life and just trust that there is energy happening behind the scenes. Uh, Yeah, I think also there's a, a belief that you have to have, which is you need to feel like, uh, Technically speaking, you to feel like your your body knows how to bring you back to balance. And secondly to that, like the world or whatever it is you want to believe in, God, you know, et cetera, is there to do the best for you. And it's almost like this faith you need to have. You need to cultivate that. And that comes from letting go and building trust. So I hear mm-hmm. I hear what you're saying. Um, it's beautiful, very profound. So I wanted to say a huge thank you for coming on. And I wanted to ask where people can find you if they wanted to do some work with you or where they can connect with you more. Yeah, amazing. So I hang out mainly on Instagram, which is at Emma Zia, Z-I-A. I also have a podcast called Life Uncaged. And they're probably the two main spaces. So yeah, that's where I am. And I'll vouch for you on that. Like I follow you on Instagram and I love the messages that you give. Like um, I've never said this before, but it, it, there's something uh, intangible to it in the best way. It's like you, you read it. It's like, hmm, hang on a second. There's something there. And I, I, hear, I see the words. I see like that logically makes sense. Then I, and I read it. I'm like, something's, I feel something in there. So I really recommend following you on there. It's really cool stuff. I appreciate that. Thank you. And it's, it's funny. My brother said to me the other day, he was like, I've had a couple of people say this, but my brother is the only one that like keeps saying it. He was like, Emma, I love the content you post. Sometimes I have to listen to it two or three times because the depth you go into like there are layers to it. There's a mental layer and then I feel something in my body and then it's something else. So I've, no, I've noticed that a lot of people say that, which is really cool. Some things that I do speak into uh, will not necessarily make sense at first, but exactly as you said, like you feel something in your body, activate something, initiate something. And that's just the intention of, of what I create really. So that's good to hear. Thank you for sharing. I do have one question on that actually, just quickly. How do you do that and not get an ego around that? Uh, how do I do what? Sorry. 
how do you communicate ideas uh, energetically? And obviously it's a gift that you have, like that's not, let's not try and make it anything. It's not like it's a gift. It's a skill you have. How do you stay balanced and not create an overly large ego on that when you do that? As in like the, the type of content I create? No, no, no. I mean like, uh, okay, so let's, let's scale it back. So what I mean specifically is when you have a skill that not many people have cultivated and you're giving insights to people and people are saying, do you like myself? Um, mm. you're, you're so amazing at this. How do you do this? And like they're almost like uh, shiny eyed towards you because um, people do this with my content and with some of the stuff that I say and that I do and they're like, oh, wow, you're so amazing. It's so hard not to be like create a huge ego out of that. So I guess what do you have an ego around it and if you do how do you manage it and if you don't what what's the process there yeah so i would say it's really non-attached for me so it's um honestly like truly speaking completely transparently and this is not something i think i've mentioned before i still to this day don't even know if what i put out there is valuable to people until they respond to it but I've learned to just trust what's moving through me consciously. So if I, because this is something I've come to notice is because I'm so intuitively connected to the field, I will receive messages uh, or inspiration for like creating content. And when I post it, I get messages from people saying, you always say exactly what I need to hear when I need to hear it. And I'm like, that's amazing. And that must be why it comes through to me because I don't know where it comes from. But what I've learned is because a big, uh, I would say, wound for me is not being able to uh, see my value. And I would say that even in the last couple of years, that's something that I've really started to bring awareness to because I realized that I was relying on other people to recognize something in myself before I saw it in myself first. And so that's something I started to practice is actually acknowledging my skills, my gifts, my talents without... Uh, relying on someone to be like, oh, do you know you're really good at this? And me being like, really? Am I? I didn't know that. Now, I'm someone that uh, I actually have very high standards for myself. So there is a there is a part of me that actually feels like nothing I do is uh, at the at like at the excellent level that I know I'm capable of. Now, some people would be like, that's a not good enough wound. Absolutely not, because I, I don't know if you know the the field of gene keys which is a subsection of human design which is essentially an energetic profiling system so my gene keys funnily enough my life's purpose is perfection right which obviously we spoke about perfection so it says in my gene keys profile that my life purpose is to always make things as good as they can be so I'm always slightly going to be in a state of dissatisfaction and that's a superpower for me so I would say, and many people might not realize this until they listen to this, that I still create content and I'm like, I don't know if this is going to land. I don't know if people are going to resonate. I literally don't know, but I don't care because I'm not attached. I don't make it mean I'm good or I'm bad. I'm like, if it's coming through to me intuitively, my intuition is never wrong. I'm just going to share it. If, people, if it lands with people, it does. And if it doesn't, it does. Do you know what I mean? I, I literally don't yeah. care. So I'm just like, all I care about is that when a message comes through that I'm living in my truth and I'm listening to that intuition. And the thing with me is I have so much um, like love in my body. I'm working with some healers at the moment. And they said this yesterday, like, Emma, you've got such a big heart and so much love that that drives everything that I do. So if I can share something and it supports, there's no ego around it because it's love. It, it's love. I love to... 
um, love in so many different ways, micro and macro. So for me, it's not an ego thing. It's really more of like a being of service thing. So it's not about me. It's about me just being a vessel and a conduit of consciousness. Yeah. And and I think that's the main thing with, with any business, to be honest, is it's very easy to get attached in the, and in the ego when you only make it about the self. <laughs> Little puppy. He's agreeing. Yeah. But when yeah. you make it about... <laughs> service when you make it about service you actually become a very clean vessel for things to just move effortlessly through you because you're not uh, filtering it through you know am i good enough blah, blah, blah. so i have those thoughts but it's uh, um i'm not attached to it so it just kind of flows that makes, sense. makes perfect sense thank you so much for sharing that and gabriel Monte talks about that as well with like letting go of the expectation um in a different way but i i feel that right and i think the yeah this conversation is really good because if you really tune in, you can feel what you're saying and go beyond just the words. So again, I really appreciate you coming on and, and thank you so much for your time. Yeah, thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed it.